in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee. It's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. If you're rejoining us now, we're speaking with Dr. Everton Arendale from Tennessee Retina, great retinal specialist and great retina practice here in Middle Tennessee. Dr. Arendelle's been talking to us about treatment with anti-VEGF for diabetic retinopathy, anti-VEGF injections. Good news is they work extremely well. The injection is not nearly as hideously uncomfortable, in fact, usually not uncomfortable, as patients fear. That's why people come back and have it over and over, because they see the visual improvement, both subjectively and we oftentimes can even measure that objectively. But let's talk about it, Everton. I mean, the good news is it works. The bad news is it doesn't work forever. It's not just one treatment, and there you go. You're you're fixed, right? That's correct. You know, and so I think, uh, you know, one of the um, analogies that I, I use, you know, when we tell a patient that we're going to do an injection, uh, but it's not going to be just one injection because, you know, uh, the disease doesn't just kind of go away. It's not a cure. It's ex- it's an excellent treatment uh, option that we now have that we, you know, uh, did not have previously, but one, it's not typically a one injection and a cure. Uh, and so the analogy that I use to a patient is, um uh, you know, you when you have hypertension or most conditions, you may take a blood pressure pill, which you know is going to lower your blood pressure. But you know, if you don't maintain your treatment, uh, that your blood pressure is going to go right back up. Now, the difference is that something like hypertension is a very chronic disease, and most patients, once once they're on treatment, unless there are other changes in their, um, you know, in their, uh, you know, in their health, maybe loss of weight or some other things that might affect blood pressure, they're probably going to be on, on a blood pressure medication, you know, indefinitely. The good news is that for patients with uh, diabetes and diabetic retinopathy. It's not really an in, in, it's not a, an an indefinite treatment in most instances. It, it is a treatment that can be a long term treatment, uh, but the frequency of the injections can vary. Um, you know, at the outset, most individuals will need a monthly injection. Uh, but w- what we now do is we tailor our injections to, to how the patient's doing. So at the outset, we may be doing a, an injection once a month, and as the edema or swelling goes down, we may do what we call a treat and extend where we may go uh, at six weeks and then if they're doing well at six weeks we may go at eight weeks and and typically if we can get out to three months some of those individuals could be observed and if the edema you know reoccurs then they get another course of treatment but um, yeah so it, it is an individually tailored approach uh, it is a um, it is a long-term treatment uh, there, but there are some individuals that need treatment for six months. There are some patients that need treatment for years. Um, but the frequency of the injections generally decreases over time. And, and you know, in most of the studies that are, that were done, you know, the average number of injections that are needed in the first year for someone who has, you know, significant amount of edema is somewhere between eight and nine injections. And that that may that may go down to you know 
between three and five injections in the second year, uh, and in some patients, even less than that by the, t- the time they get to the third year. But there are other factors that, that, that influence that. You know, how well controlled is the diabetes? Do they have other comorbidities such as hypertension that's not controlled? And we talked about hypercholesterolemia. So there are other things that, that factor into that. But in, in general, uh, patients typically, if they're on a, a treatment course, require less injection, less frequent injections uh, over time. Now, we've, we've heard that some of these medicines are rather expensive. In fact, there's a great variance between a few of the uh, different yeah. uh, different pharmaceutical agents. So, uh, yeah. But typically, for most patients, this should be covered under their major medical insurance, including Medicare. Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. Yes. Yeah. So the so there are different you know uh, there are different agents that they use, and uh, you know the patients that are receiving this, many of them will know the names of some of these medications. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a uh, bevacizumab, which goes by the trade name Avastin. There's uh, ranibizumab, which uh, goes by the trade name uh, Lucentis. And there's a flibercept, which goes by the trade name Ilea. And these are all they all are anti-vegetarians. Um, work similarly against the uh, VEGF, um, low differences in terms of their duration in the eye. Um, you know, the Avastin is a compounded uh, medication, and the other uh, medications are uh, uh, uh are not compounded. They are kind of direct orders from from the uh, you know from the companies. So, uh, but they all uh, they all work. Uh, um, now, a patient, one patient might respond better to one medication than the other. Uh, there are studies that have looked at the efficacy of these different medications, and in diabetic retinopathy in particular, um, they all work. Uh, in some patients, um, you know, Lucentis or Ilea may work better than bevacizumab. Um, but all three of these medications are used in the treatment of these patients, and and typically, uh, you know, at least uh, typically at least one of these will be covered by insurance. Uh, the compounded medication bevacizumab or Avastin is quite a bit less expensive, uh, and in diabetic retinopathy, in some patients, maybe not quite as efficacious, but in many patients, it, it may work well. Um, there, you know, there there are pros and cons of each of these. Uh, and it's really a decision that the individual physician and, uh, and patient, you know, um, the, you know, the, uh, basically is made by the physician based on, on, on how they feel the patient is responding to treatment and what they think may work well or best in that particular patient. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and that is that it's not, uh, there's, no, there's no point where you're saying we're only going to use this one or we're going to yeah. use the other one. It's a matter yeah. of really evaluating the patient, seeing what would work best for them, and as you said, sometimes reevaluating, saying maybe we can get a more efficacious result with a different medicine. So if you talk to your friend and they may be on Avastin and you're taking Lucentis, it's a reasonable thing to talk to your retinal specialist about, but there's usually a extreme, extremely good reason for it. Uh, and and yeah. what we want first and foremost is clinical care that is that is valid and and improves your vision or stabilizes your vision. But then the cost yeah. is a side effect that we as doctors have to deal with. Your insurance, the cost to you, yeah. that's not something yeah. that we ever ignore. It's a part of the equation yeah. also. 
It is. I mean, our, our job is to provide um, the best care that we can, uh, you know, uh, and uh, in the ideal world, um, all of these medications would be, uh, would be, you know, would be uh, covered by any insurance. That's what, as a, as a retinal specialist, that's what I would like to see. That's, uh, it gives me more options to deliver the best care uh, to the patient. Um, uh, but you know there are there are the economic realities of medicine and uh, um, and and uh, and obviously you know the, 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 some of these medications aren't aren't uh, covered as easily by some insurance companies. You know we, but that's where you know uh, you know we tr- uh, you know we try to be an advocate for the patient. Uh, we want whatever is best for the patient, and it's uh, and it's based on science. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been you know one of the things that we that we feel very strongly about is uh, patients should have access to to the best medicine that they can, um, and, it, and and there's a you know that, that will give them the result that we you know that we want that that we think is best for them you know and that may vary from one patient to the next as to what's needed, right. um, but um, um, you know like having said that these are these are uh, they're all good medicines. There are some advantages to perhaps to lucentisin and uh, and ileia, uh, and particularly in, in diabetic patients uh, as a group. But for the individual patient, you really kind of have to see how they respond to any one of these medications uh, and 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 choose what you think is best for them. Yeah, and I think despite what maybe some of the letters that that patients may get from an insurance company that says we you know we think this is still investigational or we think that you have to do this first and oh but we don't practice medicine by by the way, but uh, we, we realize that the reality is um, insurance companies do dictate oftentimes on an economic basis, and this is not to slam yeah. them. They provide a valuable service, but patients need to understand that insurance companies are not leading the way in new developments to preserve and protect eye care. They're begrudgingly yeah. coming along and throwing up as many barriers as they can, but eventually they have to competitively reimburse or pay for things so uh, just know that uh, that most of the time when your doctor may be providing something and and they say boy this is investigational talk with the doctor about it but i'll bet you nine out of ten times it's just that insurance companies are not as on the cutting edge as your individual physician may be (laughs) and so uh, well that that's yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, all of these medicines have been studied, in, um, you know, uh, in, in 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 clinical trials, and you know, um, you know, the, the in particular the FDA approved medications such as Lucentis uh, and Alia, they, they went to fairly rigorous trials, and and uh, you know, to, before they uh, they could be approved, um, and so uh, you know, there's some there's some you know that's. That, that that and uh, and obviously uh, that 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 factors into the cost. Uh, like I said, your your individual physician will know what medication they feel is best for you, uh, and uh, and and it's not just. And sometimes we do switch you know, based on how patients are responding to treatment. So you may start off on one medication, and may switch to another, uh, and depending on how you respond, you may actually go back on the other medication that you wanted before, uh, be, uh, if the effect is not as uh, as profound, and sometimes the patient may respond better with a second challenge of a medication 
and they did in the initial course. So there are lots of clinical decisions we make along the way. It is a, uh, it really is a dynamic process in terms of treating patients. This, this is not a cookbook, um, and that's and that's uh, and that's kind of where you know um, having a, a you know a retinal specialist who's in, you know who's in, in tune to you as an individual patient and what your needs are, and 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 you, and utilizing the science that we have uh, to to treat to treat you is, is important. And we we as retinal specialists feel very fortunate that we now uh, have these medications to treat our patients and uh, and uh, and that. For most patients, if we can catch them early enough in the course of the disease, we can really alter the outcome in a positive way. I think you mentioned a, uh, something that's really close to our heart, and that is the knowing your patient. I mean, it's, the title of our book is One Patient at a Time, and we know that it's all about individualizing that treatment and really getting to know somebody and seeing them over time in a more of a generative relationship. So you can say, you know, we challenged you first. It didn't work as well. We moved to this one, but I think we could re-challenge again. We might get a better result. That only happens when you have a good uh, patient-doctor relationship. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes... Yeah. Um, we need to use laser in these patients, and sometimes we may try some other options. Tell me about some some uh, steroid injections or long term steroid release. Is there any is there any place for that anymore in diabetic eye care? Well, uh, Jeff, that's uh, that's a great question, and the the answer to your question is yes. And so you mentioned laser. Um, there are selected patients that actually, uh, you know, still do benefit. Maybe not selected. There's actually still a fair number of patients that that would uh, benefit from laser as an adjunctive treatment, uh, you know, as an add-on treatment. For example, a, a patient that you may be treating that has what we call proliferative diabetic retinopathy, which is where they have abnormal blood vessels that are growing. We know that we can change the course of that disease by doing the injections. However, there are some patients that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that still have significant issues in terms of circulation, even with the anti-VEGF, and in order to, re- to um, reduce um, you know, their risk, you may have to supplement them with laser. Now, the good news is that typically that laser is not as intensive as it would have, would have been 15 years ago where you had to burn so much of the retina. And so the side effects of visual fear loss are, you know, very much mitigated because there's not the need for as, as aggressive a treatment as you would, uh, you know, now that you have the anti-digest. So, but there are some patients that still require treatment with laser. Um, and there's the, uh, there, is, uh, there are some patients that have macular edema that have a localized area uh, of swelling um, where you can specifically identify a few tiny vessels that are creating that swelling and you could do a very targeted laser in some of those patients as an alternative to um, injections of anti-VEGF. And so uh, those are the minority of patients I would point out, um, but, but that would be, those are potential roles for laser as adjunctive treatment. Now, as far as the steroids, you know, we've used steroids uh, in the eyes for a lot of things over the years. The diabetic macular edema, uh, you know, before we had um, the anti-VEGFs, you know, there were steroid um, uh, molecules that we could inject in the eye in the form of a suspension, which we know um, would, you know, can lower, uh, you know, decrease the swelling. 
you know, there are potential side effects to the use of steroids, and particularly these bolus injection of steroids. Uh, patients typically would have more issues with elevation of the eye pressure as, as a problem. And so you get a bolus injection, you'd have a high uh, concentration of the steroid in the eye for a short period of time, and then it basically rapidly declines. And so the effects of your steroid go great for a few weeks or maybe, you know, uh, or maybe a month, and then the effect of the steroid would rapidly de- you know, decline. And then you'd be kind of more or less, almost quite, not quite back where you started, but in some patients, that's sure. Uh, we now have um, uh, a steroid implant that we can actually inject into the eye, which releases the medication in a more even uh, uh, fashion. And so the same amount of, of the steroid has been gradually released in the eye over time. Uh, in one of the implants, uh, it, it's, it lasts for anywhere between three and six months. And now we actually have another implant where the medicine can stay in the eye for a year. Uh, the medicine's been released at a much lower dose, but it gives you kind of an even uh, release of the medication and a more sustained response because of the prolonged um, you know, duration of the medication in the eye. So uh, these actually, these medications are, are great in many ways. Uh, you know, diabetic retinopathy is a vascular, is a, what we call a blood vessel vascular disease, but at the heart of it, there's a lot of inflammation. Uh, inflammation, uh, you know, stimulates VEGF, and so there are two ways to attack the issue. You can you can attack the issue by giving the anti-VEGF agents, which is the preferred uh, uh, way as far as primary treatment. But you can also supplement that treatment with the use of uh, steroids, which uh, which may prolong the effect of your treatment. And, uh, and we have several agents for that. And, and those have been, been uh, great additions to our armamentarium. So I'm talking with Dr. Everton Arundel of Tennessee Retina. We're talking about how to treat diabetic eye disease, non-proliferative leaky edematous, uh, if you will, looking through water type of type of vision, or maybe having normal vision, but having enough water back there that we need to treat with these anti-VEGF agents or other adjunctive agents as well as uh, treating the more proliferative or advanced type. Everton, I want to talk about a couple things. Once we know medicine works, then we try to make it easier. We, over time, want to make it less costly. We want to make it last longer. We try to give the minimum amount that gives us the maximum therapeutic benefit. Where are we in extending the life of some of these anti-VEGF agents so people can have fewer injections? And I got to ask the question of patients say, don't you have this in an eye drop yet? Help me with that. Yeah. So um, we don't. Uh, we don't. We, you know, we we we're definitely for uh, to reduce the treatment burden. You know, when a patient is on it's undergoing one of these treatments, they're coming to our office sometimes every month. Not always that often, but you know, it may be as frequently as every month. Uh, that impacts the patient's life in many ways. It impacts uh, other people in their lives. Often, these individuals uh, have a caregiver or at least someone who has to drive them uh, there. Um, you know, it is. It's uh, it's it's a it's we have great treatments, but it's it it can be quite disruptive in the family life. So anything that allows us to uh, to treat the patients better, decrease the treatment burden, and increase compliance, we're always looking for for ways, and and that's kind of where the research has been going in in uh, in our field. Uh, we now have uh, in in clinical trials. Uh, there's an actual implant. Um, 
that uh, that can be inserted into the eye with the use of uh, at least one of the anti-VEGF agents, the ranibizumab or lucentis. There's an actual implant that uh, can be implanted into the eye. It's not. Uh, it's, it is still in what we call phase three trials. It means it's not something that's widely available because until it's granted FDA approval, it can only be used in clinical in a clinical trial format. Um, uh, our practice has been involved in a lot of the uh, clinical research on all of these agents. Actually, virtually all of these agents we're talking about, we've been involved in clinical trials. You know um, that led to the uh, to the initial um, approval by the FDA. And the ranibizumab map implant uh, is one that uh, has been studied in macular degeneration and is now being studied uh, in patients with um, diabetic retinopathy. Um, and we're actually enrolling patients right now in that study in our practice. Um, the idea being if we can implant this agent in the eye, it can, much like the steroid implant, release the medication over six months or sometimes more um, where patients don't need the repeated injections. Um, and it's a it's an implant that's refillable. And so a patient might uh, have the implant in for six months and they come into the office and they actually get a, a refill in the office. Um, the implantation of the, of the implant is a small surgery. Um, but then the, the but then the refill is something that can be done uh, as needed uh, with with the typical you know, implant, you know, hopefully uh, lasting more than six months in terms of before the need for a refill. Sure. So that that uh, we, that uh, that actually has been studied now. We're, uh, we're hopeful. Are, we're hopeful with that, aren't we? We are very hopeful. It's yeah. that the the uh, the, uh, the results have been very positive in the in the macular degeneration population, and um, and I would uh, I think at some certainly at some point, perhaps within the next year, that that may be something that will receive approval by the FDA. Uh, that would and so be we're good. just now yeah, we're, we're now studying that in the diabetic population. Yeah, I think that you'll probably see at that point that all of a sudden the insurance companies say, oh no no no, we don't we don't pay for that that new treatment that's a little more expensive, but <laughs> You know those injections. Yeah. Hey, now they're really good. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah, possible yeah. anyway. So if what you're really doing yeah. in these COVID times with the steroid medicine, as well as the long term kind of slow yeah. releases, in you know, in COVID, we're flattening the curve in a in a sense, and we're yeah. doing that in the retina also, aren't we, Everton? Well, well, we are because you know I think one of the issues is uh, uh, is uh, you know uh, the, the typical diabetic patient who's got this disease. Uh, we're not the only physician that they're seeing. They're seeing their endocrinologist. They're seeing their family medicine. They may be seeing a nephrologist. They may be seeing a neurologist. And so, um, and and uh, you know, diabetes is uh, it's the number one cause of visual loss in working age Americans. And so, this is a disease that occurs in the prime of people's lives when they're still productive. And, and you know, um, and so, uh, anything that we can do that will help compliance. Um, and this is what where these medicines can have a big impact on that. You know, some of these patients can't, you know, have a difficult time making it back for their follow-ups and their treatments. And so, uh, anything that we can do that will um, that will give them a similar result or even a better result, which requires fewer visits, uh, that's really where the future of medicine in this area is going. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things we want to stress is that if somebody is getting uh, anti-VEGF injections with you or your partners, uh, it may be monthly, it may be every six weeks, they still need a comprehensive eye health and vision exam with their optometrist or general ophthalmologist because you, know, you guys specialize in a portion of the retina, but you don't do an awful lot of corneal work or lid work or 
cataract work or glaucoma work, and that's not a slam on you. It's that we've gotten to the point where, man, if I got a retinal problem, I want to see you, nobody else. But there are other things that, you know, we're kind of like the primary eye health provider, like your internal medicine or your family practitioner is, but if they need to get you to some foot specialist, you're going to podiatry. If you need to get to a kidney specialist, you're going to nephrology. And that's kind of the way we work together with you and your and your group. Wouldn't you agree, Everton? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, there are, you know, there, the eye is, uh, is uh, it's a relatively small organ, but it is a very complex organ. And uh, there are many parts, and for each one of those parts, there are various things that, um, that you know, for lack of a better word, can go wrong. And so, uh, the, you know, the, the, you know, the team approach uh, is where we can get the best results. You know, the ability, you know, being, you know, having timely eye examinations. And you now, when I uh, entered practice many years ago, uh, really the prime determinant as to how patients did was really uh, basically that that one factor how often were they getting eye exams uh, you know back then you know you know patients uh, you know, I think many of the studies showed that uh, that the average diabetic patient was not getting an annual eye exam and so uh, and uh, and because diabetic retinopathy is one of those silently blinding disease so to speak um, a lot of times patients felt they were seeing well. You can actually be seeing well and have very advanced disease, and it's only when you have something like a, a major bleed in the eye that you're aware that your disease is pretty advanced. And sometimes at that point, uh, while there are things that we can do, the visual outcome uh, is not uh, is not nearly as good as it, as it should or could be. If we could have caught so, it, if we could have caught it in an earlier point, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, correct. So, I, so we we work, you know, with the primary eye care providers. We we work with the endocrinologists, their prim- their physicians. Uh, it's virtually a standard now. I think uh, uh, that the insurance companies will will require uh, of. Uh, you know, typically, they'll want the primary care physician to make sure that their diabetic patient is getting an uh, an eye disease because. It saves them money. Uh, not only is it good for um, you know for the for the uh, for the patient in terms of their quality of life, which is a primary concern, but economically it makes a sense. You know, it's basically preventative care, yep. and so um, and so we try to reinforce the the importance of the follow up with the eye care providers and with their internists or endocrinologists. So the the other the other the other providers of care for that patient. Absolutely. So with a with a little bit of a wrap up here, uh, we're talking about diabetes. The incidence of diabetes is rapidly increasing in the United States, upwards of even 9% in some major metropolitan areas. Uh, it is a potential epidemic uh, already, and certainly the, the calculations are that it will increase in the future. Hopefully, we can stem that tide some. The good news is that uh, by annual eye health exams with your optometrist, we can minimize this risk. Uh, whether you have symptoms or not, you need to have an annual eye health exam here at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. If you have diabetes that is of what we call a clinically significant level, we're going to send you to Tennessee Retina and Dr. Everton Arendelle, who we've been talking with, to get good, effective treatments. 
Um, those treatments include anti-VEGF. They may include laser. They may include steroid. But let's look at it this way, people. This is a multidisciplinary approach. It takes your internal medicine or family practitioner. It takes your endocrinologist, if you have one, your nephrologist, your podiatrist. It takes your optometrist. And it may take your retinal specialist also. But you know who it takes more importantly? It takes you. you got to watch your weight. You've got to eat well. You've got to exercise. you got to control your blood pressure and your cholesterol. And we can help do that. But in that multidisciplinary approach, the patient is as involved as anybody else and probably has more influence than anybody else. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Arendelle for spending some time tonight talking with us about diabetic eye disease and the, uh, the great promise and the great effectiveness of the treatments that Tennessee Retina and he and his partners provide. Everton, I really, really appreciate you sharing your expertise with us tonight. Uh, well, Jeff, it's my pleasure. You know, I think um, uh, we've, uh, both you and I have seen a lot over the years in terms of uh, how devastating this diabetes as a disease and particularly how devastating it is to the eyes. And so, um, you, know, I can't, you know, I would rather have a patient sent to me, um, and, I, and I don't typically get a lot of these, but occasionally we do. Uh, I have a patient sent to me. I look in the eye, they've got diabetes, but they've got no diabetic retinopathy or minimal diabetic retinopathy. I, you know, um, I, yeah, I, I love what I do, but I, if, if, uh, if we didn't have diabetic eye disease, you know, I'd find something else to do <laughs> as far as, uh, 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 but I, I have seen firsthand how devastating this disease can be, you know, um, you know, and so uh, I think uh, you, you put it quite quite aptly, Jeff, you know, the patient, uh, you know, we've got a team on the bus, but the patient is the bus driver. And mm-hmm. so uh, they are the one that's really empowered. And and, the, and where that bus goes really to a great extent, um, you know, will dictate is going to be dictated by how, how attentive that bus driver is at the wheel. And, uh, and so we're all, you know, happy to play our part. Um, uh, but, um, it, you know, I think there are lots of positive things ahead. And uh, hopefully one day we'll have a cure from diabetes. But until such time, I think uh, you know we'll do. We you know we are committed to doing what we can to preserve vision and quality of life, as I know that you and your group are as well. So thank you for the uh, opportunity to to come on and uh, and uh, best wishes. Well, I appreciate that very much, and we want to collectively thank you for uh, for taking good care of our patients and helping us to provide more than good eye care. A great healthcare experience. Uh, Stay with us on As I See It for future episodes as we talk about more eye diseases, more eye technology in trying to help prevent, correct, and enhance your vision. Thanks again to Dr. Everton Arendelle and Tennessee Retina for sharing expertise in the program tonight. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Kegeris. This is As I See It.